Good afternoon and welcome to the Hard Luck Show. I'm your certified, qualified, West Side host, Steve Lucky Luciano. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into the greatest show on earth. It's a hard luck show coming at you from the virus bunker in Southern California. Sitting across from me, my partner and co-host is Chumahan Bowen, American Indian, elegant barbarian, Southern Californian, here to talk to my people again. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Come on. Savage. Come on. Savage. Come on. Let's kill the head of colonialism. Huh? Yeah. Scalp what? him. Let's scalp him. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. My red brothers. Yeah. Come on. Let's and get it. Oh, sorry. On sound, old blue eyes. Sean Lewis. Yeah. Certified audio professional. Engineer. With a heart. Look. Yeah. Come on. Dude, look at Sean's mixing. Look at he's on the turntable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at he's sweating. Oh my God, he's just flipping his hand around. Is he gonna do? Yeah, he's spinning that shit. Yeah. Dude, his chain is bouncing off the record. He's cold cut. Uh, cold cut. Uh, come on. Scratch it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, this guy's on the turntables like nobody's business. I didn't even know you knew how to do that shit. Oh, uh, dude, he's he's been doing that since before they even invented records. I knew something was happening when he brought the coffin in. I knew he was going to bust right. out on us, right? Dude, he's got like 18 different pairs of headphones on one ear. It's yeah. the craziest shit. And you're going to have to take those six crates of records back with you because we don't have room to keep that is right. dude hey, but thank uh, you so we got a sanji here which one do you want to start with uh we're going to start with mr uh marillo okay well if we're going to do that then i might as well do this yo yo pk what the fuck is up nigga yo dogs i don't know look at look at his face look at look at marillo's face he's just smiling his teeth are coming out like a lote kind of he's looking he's got his beauty's moon in his hand this is his song he said when does the music start, Danny? It's coming. Damn, yo. Damn, hit, yo. Oh, shit, yo, son, let me take you to the hospital. Yo, I think it's an audio book. Huh? <laughs> Reenactment. Okay, so and that well, was that was a that great was, song. Thanks, Danny. <laughs> that was right it was <laughs> that was Danny uh, Danny Marillo, who is underground scholars. He's, he's he got a graduate degree from Berkeley. I asked him what song you wanted to play, and it, it was, was audio book. Audio book about uh, yeah, rough rapid, riders. Yeah, yeah, killing people. Uh, okay, hold on. Look at, look at, look at that evil grin. <laughs> look at the evil grin, but then he grabs it like in his chin. Evil grin, but grabs his chin. All right, here we go. Here, this is what he wanted. Right? 
Yeah, Mr. Uh, yeah. Uh, come on. Danny Marillo, our guest today. One of our guests that's sitting in. And if you listened before, you got to hear Danny's story. Came in. It was a two-parter. It was a two-parter. And Danny is uh, playing position of uh, helping advise and put shows together. Um, former Producer. incarcerated. Producer. Yeah, he's helping produce our shows. Uh, you know, having to deal with a lot of formerly incarcerated people. Uh, a lot of movements going on, underground scholars. Yeah. And he came in today, brought a friend with him. And I just want to welcome Dan Marillo back to the show. Yeah. Danny, welcome yes, back to the Danny. show, Dan Marillo. Danny, uh, thank you, yo. Yeah, it's a lot of, to be back, yo. Shout out to all the hard luck people. You know, thank you for tuning in. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't know it, but DMX actually stands for Danny Marillo. <laughs> X felon, right? Yeah, right, right, right. Is that right? Yeah, there you go. All right. Yep. Yeah, Danny's been quite helpful, man. And me and Danny actually kind of communicate week to week. I don't get back to him probably on prompt enough time, but oh, come on. we go back and forth and he's just, um, we, we're constantly discussing different guests and people's experiences and, and their journeys and okay, what they've been. And he, he, he stays on top of me and, and we've had some great guests due to Danny. And it's only right, man. I like Danny in here all the Danny time. Danny has sent me a spreadsheet <laughs> with like guests on. Serious? I'm not kidding you. An Excel spreadsheet. That's no because joke. Danny recognizes right. what's going on with this show. Yeah, Danny ain't done. Danny knows exactly where we're going. Exactly. And Danny's like, I want to be a part of putting a piece of this. I want to be a team player involved in this thing. Right. And he's going, and he is, and he's going to continue. Listen, to I'm going to tell you something. When the when the door of opportunity opens, mm -hmm. Danny's the first Danny foot knows. through. He yeah. understands. He could smell it before it cracked open. That's exactly yeah. right. He knows. So then, having said that, Danny, why don't you tell us who you brought? Well, today we're going to, you know, be talking to the homie Michael Savage. <laughs> New yeah. I met, I met Michael about three years ago at uh, Rio Hondo College. He had just got out of Pelican Bay or out of out of uh, Salinas Valley. He got out of uh, out of a level four yard. I forgot which one though. But he was in <laughs> he was in Pelican Bay shoe for about fifteen years. Damn. He has an amazing story, man. He, he's a a prison litigator, you know, a, a prison organizer, and out, is now out here doing some great work in the community with Youth Justice Coalition, and just started his. Um, his first semester at UCLA um, undergraduate program, I believe in the American Indian Studies program. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Nice. yeah. Fuck. And I want to say that again. Fuck. Hey, listen. When 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 I, I talk, when I asked Mike, I said, "What what's your song, brother?" This is what he said. He was like, "Yeah, classic. Yeah, come on." Yeah. yeah. Five double O bands, putting flashy rings. Uh. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about, man. Hey, my. Mike, do we call you Mike? Michael, what do we call you? You got either one is cool. All right. Yeah, whatever you feel comfortable with. All right. Uh, and uh, and we have one more guest sitting in. Real quick, though, I just want oh, it's, it's like a quick answer though. Why all eyes on me? Why is that mm. your song, brother? Because it's like you know, once you parole, especially somebody that was validated and kept in solitary confinement mm -hmm. based on false allegations and labeling. You know, people of color as prison gang members or affiliates, um, you're continually being watched on parole by the people out here, by, you know, you coming into the movement, getting into all these institutions, these classist and racist institutions. Yeah. So I feel like it is all eyes on me sometimes. Yeah, man, it's all yeah. eyes on you because you got to keep an eye on a dangerous motherfucker who's going to fuck up the system. <laughs> right? <laughs> For sure. Uh, all right, so... 
you were going to... Oh, I was going to say, I wanted to welcome back who's sitting in on a show today, and that's uh, Lil Lucky. Came to join us. Yeah, yeah. Lil Lucky Larrabee. Lil Lucky Larrabee. Uh, they call him Triple L. Triple L. Triple L. Yeah. Big Tri- Diablo, rest in peace. It's his son right here. He came yeah. in today. Just to soaking hang up with us. game. Soaking up game and adding some positive shit. A lot of guys. My dude right there. A lot of guys uh, his age have crumbled in the hard luck show, right? Yep. They just, just too much maleness. Yep. Too much game being spit. Yep. Can't handle it. And they can't. But well, my man can handle it. Hell yeah. Look at him. like this. Yeah. So. This is natural. This is his habitat. Man. So we got him in here sharing, and we're sharing with Lil Lucky today, sitting in. So yeah, man, we got a full house here. Um, You know what, Michael? I wanted to say was, I like that you picked um, All Eyes on Me, and sometimes um, I do feel that song, and and I want to say that I think that guys that come out of the places and experience that we come from, when we make a transition to start doing something different, right? When we make a transition from that to doing something different, I think that's what causes all the eyes. You got law enforcement that's waiting for you to fuck up. You got a lot of people on that crab pot shit just waiting for you to fuck up. Especially leaving prison from where you came from. Now it's like, all right, everybody's going to watch your moves. And it, and it is. And I would imagine for somebody like you especially, it is all eyes on you. And I was explaining to the lucky that there's certain people that walk around on the planet. And there's something about them that people are going to watch. People are going to watch and follow. And they're either going to follow you down a bad course or they're going to follow you in the right course. But there's certain people that walk around and everybody's watching them. Not necessarily to watch them to see them fail. They're watching for different reasons, but they got you their eye on you. And I always take that as like the way I operate. I need to operate like a lot of people are watching me. You know, what am I doing when nobody's watching? You know, that type of thing. And um, because I have come to know that I'm a guy that people people generally want to follow. They look at as a leader and I can either lead incorrectly or I can lead correctly. But there's eyeballs on me wherever I go, you know, and, you know, I would find that to be true for somebody like you as well, Danny, you know, um, especially coming from where you got where you gentlemen came from and the amount of incarceration. Michael, man, you know, I, I we talked a little bit um, I was getting ready to get some dental work done, and um, me and Michael got into a conversation, man, and uh, I could just feel this guy over the phone, you know, just really genuine, and, and just all the things he was saying, and he, he, I remember getting off the phone with you. you, you had me in a place where I felt really, really grateful when I got off the phone with you, grateful for my life, grateful for what I had, because I could hear the gratitude in you coming from where you've come from, what you've been through, you know, and uh, it really put things in perspective once again for me. Um, t- tell us, t- tell us, Michael, like, what's, ha- how long have you been out now? I've been out going on three years. Going on three years. Yeah. And um, you live in Los Angeles? Yeah, I live in downtown L.A. Yeah. What is, what is, what is downtown L.A.? Because a lot of people aren't from L.A. So what is actually downtown L.A.? It's like where you see all the big buildings, right? <laughs> like all the glass buildings. And to me, that's the city. That's the core. Right. How long were you in before? And the you... Lakers are there, too. Yeah. yeah. I had to throw that out. Yeah. Uh, how long were you in before you got out? 
I was in t- close to 20 years. 20 years? Close to 20 years, about 19 and a half. Mm-hmm. How old were you when you went in? I was around 25, 26. Mm-hmm. And what did they claim you did? Uh, armed robbery, uh, carjacking, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But this wasn't your only term, though, right? No, I had just gotten out from Pelican Bay. Uh, where I went in as a real young person, um, I was like, I believe around 19. This was already my third term. Okay. So I have been in and out since juvenile hall. And in this case, the armed robbery, I had just paroled from Pelican Bay in 1996. And literally uh, six months later, I was being charged or accused of a robbery. And from that point on, the, the rest of the year and a half that I remained outside was basically on the run until I was uh, arrested in 1998, January 1st, taken into the county jail. So between that time of being like 14 to now, I may have spent at most uh, three years of my life outside of jail. So basically these last three years. Yeah, these last three years. No, I would have to add on that. So six. Six, yeah. Six wow. total. And this has been the longest continuous time since I was 14. Mm-hmm. Before we get into all of the other aspects, uh, this, it, what, what's it like been, what's it, what's it like for you this last long continuous time? It's been amazing. I mean, <clears throat> the things, the places that I've been, the people I've met, and the networks and communities that I work for is just amazing. I mean, I never even thought I would be going to UCLA or being accepted to Berkeley three mm-hmm. years ago, let alone two years ago, because I had my mindset <coughs> on, like, Cal State LA, like they tell us at these community colleges, oh, you know, we'll set you up for a CSU as opposed to, no, maybe I want to go to Berkeley. Right. Maybe I want to go to UCLA. Why don't you set me up for that? Right, right. right. These counselors have us in these categories because of our race and background. Even like, well, what's your major? What do you want to do? I want to become a lawyer. Mm. They're like, well, aren't you formally incarcerated? I don't think you can become a lawyer. Who's telling you that? I've been told that since I first even spoke about it while I was in prison, suing the Department of Corrections and winning, (laughs) and then coming out here and speaking about it to these law school students about how a person with no, you know, education, law school degree can win lawsuits against these huge um, Corp- oppressive yeah. systems. Yeah. Right? These systems who have the money to pay for, quote unquote, real lawyers. Exactly. Right. Yes, sir. I tell that to my clients all the time. I go, look, you don't want to pay me 400 bucks an hour. You don't have to. But all you have to do is do the fucking work and read. You don't need a lawyer if you're willing to work. Right. Exactly. Wow. That's heavy so duty. true. <laughs> It's and, true, and, coming and, right from here. And, Mike, and, and Michael's proof of that. Yes. But now that also that, that experience and knowledge carries over to now what I do working for the Youth Justice Coalition as a legal coordinator. Like, I'm not a lawyer, but I can help people with their legal issues, and we do free legal clinics for the community like every other Saturday. What do you think of that, Chumahan? Are you hearing this, brother? I just fucking said. I tell my clients, fun. like, you don't want to pay. You don't have to. Just fucking do it yourself. This is, I think that's it, very and empowering. I, wanna, I, wanna I do think it, it is. is. I want to add that he's probably done it like three or four times while incarcerated. He sued CDCR successfully, right, for, for at least probably more than 100K. Wait, wait, wait. wait. We're going to get into that. We're going to get all into that. All right, counselor. All right, counselor. <laughs> so let's just talk about your first lawsuit. 
Okay. What was the basis of your lawsuit? So my very first lawsuit was when I was placed into uh, administrative segregation, right, and told that because... So I'm on a I'm on a general population. In order to get like the full degree of the situation, you had to, you have to understand the difference between a general population facility where you're getting contact visits, being a hug your family, you know, go to the store, pretty much have a lot of movement. Yeah, being placed in ad seg for investigation which they call the whole because you literally are limited to like four books, sometimes even just one Bible and your address book. That's how most ad segs work. Yep. Right. Sean, Sean doesn't like this guy doesn't like Sean doesn't like that. You do not get no phone calls. You're limited even on showers. You only get three showers a week. You're fed these really small portions of food. So you're very limited and you're, you're isolated so that you're not able to talk to other prisoners or other people. What's the secret to survive in that? That most people don't understand. I think it's like, for me, I can't say for everybody, right? But yeah. for me, because I've witnessed a lot of men, very strong men, like right. straight, tatted up, big old gangsters, right? Yeah. Um, you know, solitary confinement after years, decades, they literally broke down and lost their minds, right? And went crazy. I've even seen people hang themselves. Um, so, yeah, I think it's the wherewithal of knowing you know, for me, it was these people did me wrong. Like, I shouldn't be in here for a drawing for my own culture. You feel me? Like, these type of things that they put me in there for, I felt was a pretext or a falsity uh, just because of my organizing and also helping other prisoners to appeal their cases, to sue them, to make sure they have better conditions, com you know, comply with the constitutional rights of prisoners. Right. And so I felt like this was a retaliation. Mm -hmm. And so... I first, you know, fought with them with my fists, used to do cell extractions, mm. um, but that mm. led to me just getting beat up, pepper sprayed, and all my shit took. Sorry about the cursing. No, 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 no you're all curse. good. You're, you're, you're more eloquent than most of us, more than and me. so it was like, they did me dirty, right? And there was this OG that was on my tier that was like, man, don't you know, youngster, that you can, the pen is, is mightier than the sword, right? Yeah. You're fighting these fools, you're arguing, cussing, you're not going to get nowhere. Right. Like, go to the law library, check out this, check out that. And I started doing that, right? Yeah. And since prior to me being placed in that, say, I was already appealing my case. I was already learning the law through the law library, spending a lot of time because I wanted to uh, overturn my sentence, right? Yeah. And so that led me to utilizing the law and going to the law library and using their same laws against them, right? Well, we do have constitutional rights. Right. Just because we're prisoners, this isn't some third world communist country where you have no rights and right. they're just going to, like, you know, execute you, right? Mm -hmm. And so because they love to claim, oh, the Constitution, the Constitution, we're a, civil, we're a civilized country. We offer constitutional rights to our prisoners, which separates us from these other third world countries. We're not countries. animals, Right. Yeah. But yet they are one of the the few countries that have kept people in solitary confinement for more than 20, 30 years. They yep. have been doing this for a long time. So it's an important point that Michael's making in a sense that we do pride ourselves on having this constitution and being the forefront of what it is to guarantee freedoms of every individual citizen in this country. Yet at the same time, we have one of the biggest, if not the biggest prison population in, in the, the world. world we do right and part of it is set up 
The only way that you can oppress people, but go ahead. Go ahead. I didn't say anything. Okay. The only way that you can oppress people, but also still have laws that guarantee their freedoms, which is what America excels in, is you have the rules, right? But you limit the access to the rules for a certain group. You set up default systems that if a person doesn't know what to say and when to say it, then they just fall in these slots. And that's how a certain segment winds up. That's how you can have a situation with George W. Jr., where one guy gets busted with a DUI on cocaine and his chances in life are fucked and he's never going to really be that successful because he's got this prison thing on his back. The other guy could get have a DUI and get busted for cocaine and then eventually become the president of the United States. That's George W. That's undisputed. And the reason why it's, it's available that way is because there are certain people who have access to the rules and the instruction manual of America, and there's some people who are not given that, correct? I think that's very important because if you look back at the founding fathers, most of them were attorneys. So it was written in, even the law is designed in a way for most common people you know, to to learn how to read. It's Latin, right? Right. It's in this way. It's in this this uh, different, like, double double talk, double speak, right? Right. And so who has access to higher education to learn this, right? right. Law schools, you have to pay $100,000 sometimes being debt. Right. So it's mostly for the classes and elite, right? Yep. Um Money. Yeah, and the way we are all dependent on lawyers. First thing, something happens, what do we do? Oh, we better get a lawyer. Right. Talk to a lawyer. Should talk to a lawyer. Right. But if we can empower ourselves and find that access, then we can empower ourselves with the law. However, those barriers, especially imagine a person in prison that's already in solitary confinement. Right. Let alone a general population person has limited access, just in mm-hmm. prison in general. Right. Imagine somebody buried under the prison right. with mm-hmm. shackles every time he has to go to the law library, and they're sitting there watching him and restricting him to a very minimal amount of books and time spent in there. Right. Let alone if you weren't having, you come from a poor community or background where you weren't educated, you didn't go to high school. How do you navigate these new words, this new vocabulary, and at the same time, you know, try to liberate yourself or seek remedy through the process that they say you must in order to civilly uh, be redressed or find your freedom. Mm. That's why when you're uh, when you're when you talk about that and you explain that, that's why I think it's so important. It's really uh, overlooked about some of the people that were slaves that eventually rose to prominence through their own ability to figure out the rules like Frederick Douglass or whoever, right? I don't think people understand enough what it would mean. Like, people are going to listen to your story, Michael, and be like, man, that guy was in solitary, and he was institutionalized, probably unfairly, right, since 14 on. And and then for him to successfully sue the institutions and win, that's an amazing Rocky story. And I don't think people understand that. Now, think about that, but in the terms of slavery, that was a real thing. That really happened. That was no joke. And I, I know, it goes on everywhere else. And da, 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 da. But I'm just saying, just seriously think about a guy like Frederick Douglass who was a slave that eventually escaped slavery. Now, when you're a slave, you're not even, you're a piece of property, mm-hmm. right? And then, and I don't know if you guys, I don't know, Danny, maybe you have, Mr. Berkeley. Have you ever seen, like, the, the stuff that they will put around like a slave's head, like a male, in order to keep him under control, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a cage 
around a man's head with spikes and shit going towards their own eyes with a chain on it. And they think about that. People were walking around in broad daylight. That was okay. <laughs> that was just how you, that was, you know, that's like yeah. walking your dog, essentially. Right? That's you real. You have to put a muzzle on because he's... He might act crazy. Exactly. And so th- somebody in that situation got a hold of the same books, right, that Michael got a hold of and was able to pull himself out of that to a position where he was untouchable. Wasn't necessarily able to help everyone around him. He did, but, I mean, there were so many forces against him. But that's how powerful, if you get access to the rule book in America, if you get access to it, that's how powerful those tools can be once you get access to it. So when you sued the institution, right, um, tell me like what it, the first process like did, did you file a complaint so first the law is very set up as you said even more so because of the 1996 um, the prison litigation reform act right that congress passed because of this un- influx of quote unquote frivolous lawsuits by prisoners right, right. jailhouse lawyers jailhouse lawyering became yeah. a thorn in their side and once it hits their pocketbooks and takes up their resources of course they have to pass another law or barrier <laughs> to to block that right and so under that you must first uh re- requires you to go through the administrative uh, grievance process, right? Uh, so it's like basically asking the same person that you have beef with that you're writing up for <laughs> fucking you over. Right. Oh, here's a 602. Here's my grievance. Please turn it in and make sure it goes through the process. I'm guaranteeing he's going to throw that shit away. Right. 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 And then you're like writing to the office like, hey, what happened to my, my grievance? And they're like, we never received it. What grievance? Right. And so you're going through this this circular argument with yourself you're going through all these loops right yeah just to finish that process because in order to reach the courts the courts will not accept your petition or lawsuit until you have fully exhausted and not fully but also properly exhausted it and that means to their rules right right the the administrative aspect the administrative rules. so are you listening to that steve so no they they got to a point where they were like oh these are frivolous lawsuits and it's wasting taxpayer money oh yeah so what we need to do is we got to put them through a rent cycle for about two years and if they can survive the headache of that bullshit then we might hear them out. Then they can at least file in court. That's not even winning. Right. It's That's, a grievance process. It's crazy. Yeah. So how long did it take you to get out of the fucking bureaucratic bullshit and into the court? <clears throat> so it took about a year. Damn. Yeah, the bureaucratic bullshit. Because you're literally 602-ing the fact that your 602 was in process, right? Right. I mean, you got to... Think about that. It's, there's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, I know it. I know it. Yeah. Do you know it? Yeah. Dude, mind-boggling. That, so that term, that term, also, right, has become a joke. Of what? 602. 602, like, yeah. I got a problem with you. Well, 602. Yeah, 602 me. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, right. It's a joke. Which Clowning. means, like, uh, fuck you. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, the, nothing's going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sean, imagine, like, what is for you, like, what is the worst, like, a bureaucratic process that you've had to deal with in government? Like where you're like uh, Unemployment Yeah So unemployment times a thousand Where they're like What do you mean And you're looking for the check Yeah That was yeah. supposedly in the mail Yeah, yeah. 602 right. it Yeah 602 I'm gonna start using that This not only applies to Like due process For holding somebody In you know False Under false allegations But also applies to Prisoners medical condition Like hey my knee's fucked up 
I need to see a doctor. They keep denying you what 602 is. So you have to go through that whole 602 process before you can file to the courts to have the court step in and say, hey, give this guy some freaking... Can you imagine his, that? You know, medical like, attention. So yeah, medical. Right. Can you imagine that? Hey, man, I just want to tell you, after two years, you're 602 for that gangrene in your leg. <laughs> Hello? Are you okay? Hey, I don't think he's breathing. Hmm. Right. So when you made it through the 602, that was a victory... Okay, that's the first barrier, right? Go ahead. The second barrier, which the uh, the Prison uh, Litigation Reform Act sets in, is what they call, they have to, now, okay, you made it through that process. Okay, they'll file, and they'll file your lawsuit or your appeal, but now you go through this screening process. <laughs> so the screening process is where the, a magistrate judge, which isn't even a, a district judge, it's like a underling of the judge, or, but more than likely, it's going to be a clerk right. who reviews it to find any procedural deficiencies. Like, do you state a claim for relief? Like, li you literally have to prove, and this is the difference between somebody suing outside, yep. and it's like contrary to the whole process, supposed to be a decision. You make an allegation, the defendant defends against it. The jury is the critical decision makers and decides who's speaking the truth or not. Right. But in this instance, it's the court itself who looks through, fleshes through your, your writing, and if you're illiterate, if there's, like, deficiencies in that, we can't, it's not legibly written. It's not written in certain uh, font. You didn't pay the filing fee, which is $455. That's right. right. All these other things that they go through with a fine-tooth comb, and in my case, they say, okay, you know what, you do state a claim for these three things, but you really ain't proving that this really happened, and we kind of don't believe that this really happened. Right. So we're going to dismiss this claim, right? So right. now you either have to choose to appeal that appeal shit that. and go through another freaking court right. or say, okay, I'm going to bite, take the bullet on that. I want to hurry up and get through this shit, right. and let's go. That process actually takes from a year to two years. Okay, so check it out. For them to screen it. So, so this process that he's talking about from a regular lawsuit situation on the outside, if I sue somebody, right, I file a complaint. I write it by myself, right, and I base it on the facts. They're called allegations because they're not proven mm -hmm. yet. I base it on facts that I think are whatever. When it goes to the court, the defendant has to answer. In or days. Yeah, that's right. Or the defendant can file a motion to dismiss. And when they file the motion to dismiss, they basically review what you wrote. This is the other side, not the court. The court doesn't do this. If the, if the defendant doesn't file anything, the court's not going to dismiss your case. <clears throat> the defendant, the other side, reads through exactly what he was saying, and they go through and they go, oh, you know what? Even if we took all your facts as true, it doesn't line up to an, uh, an, an auto accident injury. You didn't allege. You didn't say one. Even if you proved everything, it still went. Or, or you wrote out a cause of action that doesn't exist or it's missing one of the elements. Now, when that happens, they've, they motion to dismiss. Then the court goes back to me and says, okay, this is what they're saying. What do you say? Then I have the opportunity mm. to then oppose it and say, that's fucking bullshit because this, that, and the other thing. No, 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 no. What, what Michael's saying is, is that the court itself, the clerk of the judge, and that's true, it is the clerk, mm -hmm. is the one that's telling you like, oh, you don't have the correct fact to support or whatever. And I don't know, did they even offer you an opportunity to say, actually, you're wrong? Uh, did they give you that opportunity? They're supposed to give you um, an opportunity to amend it, right? Yeah. But on certain deficiencies, they have the discretion 
to just dismiss it outright. Damn. You said something about there was some sort of fee attached to this? Yeah, so that's the other thing. As a prisoner, especially if you, you know, you've been down, you don't have people sending you money like right. that. You're like, okay, do I want to spend $455? How many cans of stew is that? That's a lot. Especially if you're in solitary, <laughs> you can only spend $50 a month at this yeah. time, so right? When Prior you, to the hunger strikes. When you're filing something, how much does it cost? $455. It's it? the same. same. Although but they say, okay, it, we respect the fact that we want to allow poor people into, we don't want to close those doors to everybody, right? We right. don't want to be, you know, prejudiced to poor people. Right. We'll allow you to file if you're poor. You have to fill out this whole document A wave form. to waive fees. And it's an order that also goes back to the California Department of Corrections to put a lien on your trust account. So you will, even though we'll let you, you don't have to pay now, Every time you get money from your family sends you a money order for $25, $50, they're taking out 20% Wait. that goes to that $455 filing fee back to the court. So you got a lawsuit Plus a 2% on... 2% administration fee of course. that CDCR gets to keep for doing the favor. Right? But So you got a lawsuit on layaway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but wait a second, though. But like in, in civil law regularly now, they do mm -hmm. have an application to waive fees. Waive fees. Right. So the, do they allow a prisoner to waive fees? Yes. Okay. But you're still charged with them at the end of the day. That's, oh, that's not really waived. That's not really waived. Yeah. That's, that's fucked not. up. Because I mean, how I don't much know money? Why they call it that. Yeah. How much money can you make in prison? You know what I mean? I mean, like legally, legally, you, you could you could have a you could have like the best top job, and you don't even get that on level four yards. You don't get action. But even if you were like the top top pay clerk or something like that, yeah, you'd be making like a hundred hundred and twenty dollars a month. That's just crazy. now that now most people aren't going to ever make that. They'll make like you know uh, twenty eight dollars a month. Right. That's your pay, you know? Right. So you got a pay number. But imagine also if the prisoner is also um, ordered to pay restitution for sure. his sake. Uh, yeah, so on. now that's 55. On top of 55 is a 20%, 22 actually. So how much is maybe at $100 they give him $5? Right. And who's actually the person paying off all those fees? Not him. Right. It's his family because every time they send money in to help him with, you know, commissary and stuff that he needs, they're taxing that. Right. And, and and for a lot of inmates, whatever that cost is, it's not realistic. They just don't have the money. Right. I mean, that's they why they don't have the money. Their family don't have the money. They don't have the money. That's why. Have. That's why Big Lep had to sell fake weed to the Night Stalker in County. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a true story. Yeah. That's a true him. story. Yeah. He said that. He said that the Night Stalker was up there. I was, remember. He, he was, was like in giving, high power, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, and, and Big Lep said that he was like a, a trustee. Yeah. Right. And it was like pushing the whatever sweeping. I don't know what. But he was in there, and he said that the Night Stalker looked at him, and was like, you know, gave him the high sign, like, hey, you smoke a little weed. <laughs> And then Big Lev's like, oh, yeah, I want you know. <laughs> then, he, then Big Lev said that he went and he took some canned spinach and dried it <laughs> and put it in a baggie. And then he walked by and, and, and he said. Homeboy the dropped the money. Dropped the money and gave him the thing. He said a week later, he went by the Night Stalker and the Night Stalker was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at Big Lev and he flipped him the fucking, the pentagram yeah, that was on his like, pentagram, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm going to send the devil to kill you. Anyway. And that's a trip because back then they actually allowed prisoners to have cash money inside yeah. the county jail. Wet 40. Yeah. Wet 40. Yeah, I learned that from yeah. Big Lux. We uh, had the little, little braided little... Braided little purses you put. I, I yeah, missed right? that era. We yeah. were yeah. By the time I got to the county, we were already on. On really, okay. Yeah, on the count. Okay, yeah. so then right, so you do that hurdle, then you fucking deal with the one to two year screening. Then what happens? And then of course it's the motion to dismiss. 
or motion for summary judgment. And in this case, you're also facing, when it comes to summary judgment or motion to dismiss, qualified immunity, right? Fuck that. Qualified Fuck immunity, today. which is another system built in of protection for these people to oppress people and get away with it, right? This is the Legally. same kind of quali- qualified immunity that allows, like, a Breonna Taylor situation Jesus and the cops Christ. evade fucking any kind of penalty. Right. So now not only do you have to prove that they violated your civil rights or your constitutional or hum- human rights, yeah. but you also have to prove that they did it with sort of a malice of forethought, like intentionally with you know malice or disregard. Right. right? And how difficult is it to prove someone's mental state when I mean, they're doing something? Bro, you're like stuck in a cell. You can't like interview the dude. It's like you have to put the pieces together, right? You don't have an investigator. You don't have... You don't even have the option to discovery yet because you haven't even got that far because right. it's barrier of summary judgment. So you don't even have those tools of discovery to get that information to support your claim. Right? Dude, it's crazy should. because because I've tried. My wife has done some shit, and I'm like, you intentionally did that, and we've gotten in a large argument, and I can't prove it. I'm like, I, you, why would you stand there and look at me like it's impossible almost to prove someone's mental state, right? Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, timing, uh, there's certain things that you could throw out there, but But it's it's very difficult. It's very. So then you got past that. mm -hmm. All right. By now, it's been like four years, five years, three years, about three years for the first one. Um, Yeah. And and then by now, is there anybody that's like, I know you're you're in solitary, but like, are there people who kind of know what you're up to? And then like, if you walk towards the showers, they're like, go get them, like yelling for you or anything. (laughs) You mean the guards? Anybody. The homies know because I'm teaching the homies the same thing. Like, I'm trying to set precedence for them to get out too. Like, challenge this shit, bro. They fucking, how they're going to have you in uh, solitary confinement indefinitely because you signed a birthday card for a home, another homie on the tier. Like, That's what kind of up. shit is that? That's right? Oh, because one of those people happened to be validated. Did you give us due notice? Tell us everybody's, we don't go around. Let me see what you you know, what gang of the. So you want me to be in solitary or isolated and then also, uh, what is it called, where you don't talk to people? Antisocial, right? Right. How's that going to benefit community? I can't fuck with you. You might be, you know, I don't want to get in trouble. I mean, there's, I mean, to, in order to survive in, in the population or with people in prison, there's certain codes of etiquette that you got to follow. And if you start getting weird, some shit might go down. So it's like you can't necessarily talk to people about certain things nor mm-hmm. reveal certain things and or be antisocial necessarily right yes it's part of survival right and it's human nature like we're not meant to be isolated you know we're social creatures right, right. and so that's why we have community in there and we have solidarity in there and but i mean but after that with the summary judgment yeah so once you pass that now it's like fuck the judge is like fuck we don't have no other choice but to put this on our calendar for trial. <laughs> right, right. We got to give this motherfucker a trial. Right. And how are we going to transport this motherfucker from, you know, solitary confinement to shoe prison and security, all this? That we have sounds to give like a lawyer. A, that sounds right? like a your problem, not a my problem, Your Honor. So, but, so the judge quickly uh, recommended yeah. and actually called for a mandatory settlement conference. Of meeting, course. Right. So you two come together. It's only, what are you asking for? Monetary damages. It really, you know. So right. Something you guys can probably hash out, right? If it's just a number. Right. Is this lawsuit for the gang validation? Yeah. That was my first one. Wait, 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 wait. Gang validation meaning what? To people who don't know. Like, right. what was he suing about? Um the process of how he got placed in solitary confinement in the first place right and they identify you as an associate to a, or a member of a prison gang right and that process is uh, it takes three pieces of 
uh, evidence yeah. to label you a gang member or, or an associate, right? In my okay. case, uh, um, a dictionary with someone else's prison number who was validated and I didn't know. Yeah. Um, um, uh, drawings of Aztec and Mayan drawing. What What is an Aztec or Mayan drawing have to do with gangs? Um, it's certain symbols that are part of Aztec and Mayan uh, culture, culture yeah. are, are um, identified as uh, prison gang symbols. For instance, the, the Mexican flag, right, um, yeah, the yeah. The, um, the United Farm Workers um, eagle, the, the the emblem, yeah, is a, a, a symbol that that they use as a prison gang symbol. So these things can get you placed in solitary confinement. At one point, indefinitely. Right. So that's how... Wait, yeah. what was the third one? For me, um, confidential informant. There's always got to be a confidential informant. So it's basically somebody <laughs> you don't know said something. I knew who it was, but yeah. Okay, that's fucked up. <laughs> I know who it was. <laughs> I know who it was. No, don't worry about that. It's hard, though, you know? Yeah. Those are things, and especially with the confidential informants, like how do you literally fight a ghost you can't you don't have, when it comes to confidential informant that's where they get okay you're smart you know you're gonna challenge all this shit we're gonna make up some shit then here here we got confidential information also. well well let me explain something to everybody right now that maybe michael already knows from his research but <clears throat> when the founding fathers came over here the legal system they set up was in reaction to the british king the royal crown and one of the things that is part of one of the basic fundamental rights of an American citizen in the legal system, especially when it comes to the criminal system, is the right to confront your accuser. You have, to, you have the right to confront your accuser. So in, in that sense, the reason why that's written is because the king of England had what he called the star chamber, S-T-A-R-R -R mm -hmm. chamber. And it was a uh, special legalized royal legal system that was set up basically to destroy <clears throat> any of the king's enemies. And one of the things is, is you could have an unnamed uh, person to accuse you of anything and you weren't able to challenge them. You weren't able to know who it was and you couldn't challenge them. Thus, you couldn't defend yourself. So if somebody lied and said, and, and, and it happened then, like, oh, that's, he's a Jewish conspirator, mm. right? And you wouldn't know who that was. Who mm. said that? Could be just a guy that didn't like you. Right. Could be a guy that wanted to fuck your wife. Mm -hmm. Could be whatever, right? And then he would go in front of the crown. The other one is the right to not self-incriminate. The fifth, that comes from the star chamber as well because the crown could torture you until you admitted uh, your crime. And so the founding fathers had gone through that. And they were like, well, we're not going to do that. It's going to be a free society. So you're going to have a right to confront your accuser. If the accuser comes forward and you can't confront him, then you can't be charged. That's just, that's a, that's a, that's a no-brainer. And second, no one can make you testify against yourself. Because if we allow it, then they're going to torture you to do it. That's how it works. So those two protections were put in place because of that. What has happened since is that the institutions have created this separate system for prisoners especially where they're like, well, you were found guilty of a crime. You can't vote and you don't have certain rights. That's the setup, right? And most citizens that don't know a lot about it kind of are like, well, they, you know, they committed a crime. So they gave it. They broke the law. So the law can't protect them necessarily. And then they set up the special system where somebody, right, can be a, a, a confidential informant say, oh, yeah, he's in the game. I saw him. I saw him eat a piece of pizza from a guy that was validated. They were sharing a slice, <laughs> yeah. right? right? Isn't that right? 
Yeah. All right. 100%. So, so what happened at the mandatory settlement conference? So this was whack because at the time, I'm still now, okay, so I won. I overcame summary judgment. Right. The judge set it for a trial. Yeah. But he said, before we go to trial, I want you guys to talk. But at the same time, I'm anticipating trial and getting ready because I know a <clears> settlement <throat> conference, you have to have some weight, right? You can't just go in there empty-handed. So I wanted my evidence. I wanted right. an attorney. Right. And so I was asking the judge for an attorney. But this was an informal one. Mm. So they literally come to the prison, right? First, they come to my cell, make me strip out butt naked, do all this weird dance for these weird correctional officers who get a kick out of that shit, I guess. Um, just to go get shackled and go to another cell and be locked up in another cell through a glass talking to these uh, people, the lawyers for the defendants, right? Yeah. And there was also a magistrate judge present. And basically it was going back and forth. They were like, you know what? Uh, you don't got anything on us. What we'll do is we'll just let you dismiss this case. We'll give you, we'll pay you for the filing fee, $450, and uh, call it a day. And if you want to push it, and you lose, we're gonna hit you for our attorney fees and restitution and all this other crap, <laughs> and take that four hundred fifty back. Man, be like, cool, whatever, whatever, right? man. I'm in fucking solitary. What do you want? Go ahead. And I was like, that's ridiculous. You guys came all the way from Sacramento. Yeah. Flew down here. I don't know how much you probably charged to your companies to yeah. be here, just to fucking slap me in the face. Well, I'll give you four hundred fifty. I was like, fuck y'all. I'll see you in court. Did you flip them off? I did. Yeah, I like that shit. <laughs> I did. I was pissed. Yeah. I was extremely pissed because I felt like because I was a prisoner, I didn't have that same opportunity to discuss my case, to present, you know, what I had in an in a, in a intellectual and a legal way where the judge could see that I did have enough proof. That there was good faith. Yeah. Right? Evidence on your side. Instead and leverage. of turning this all around, well, he we could do this. We're going to bring up his gang evidence, his... his uh, uh, court cases and all this other stuff yeah. right so it was just basically trying to bully me so then okay we went back and i presented prior to that i presented what the judge requested was a uh, a settlement conference brief right so in your brief you outline the facts you know what you feel the strongest points of your case and why you would win and how much you would be reasonably willing to settle the case for and i was right. reasonably willing to settle for twenty five thousand. Right. Man, that's reasonable. Because at the time it was during the, the housing crisis, my family was losing their house. They were short 15. They were going to lose a house. So I was like, whatever I can get quick, I'm going to get it. And right. help out my family. I, right. It was at that point. Right. Yeah. And they laughed and they came back. We'll give you uh, 2,500. And I told them, no, kick rocks. Take me back to my cell. Right. Right. But the judge read that I was reasonable and he he didn't like that. They, you know, were, they were fucking trying to. Yeah. Because it. At the end of the day, a lawsuit, it isn't about who's right and who's wrong. It's about how much money is it going to cost us to defend this suit against this person. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to be paying attorney fees, maybe bringing <clears throat> expert witnesses to prove our case. If we lose, we could set bad precedent. Most guys in prison will settle for, there's a study too out of Harvard, most prisoner settlements are for ten, fifteen thousand. 15000 right. Like I would have been willing to settle, right? And right. they could afford that as opposed to if they go to trial, their attorney fees and costs is going to be up in the fifty, sixty thousand dollars So easily. Monetarily, budget-wise. But they ain't paying it personally, so they don't care. No, but the gatekeepers and the judges are highly aware of the costs to the Absolutely. institution. And the thing as well is, as the court, too. Like, you, you're going to take up a whole week of trial. Right. 
the judge is like, y'all just give him some money and go. And the also the right? president's the president's part because then now you're gonna get flooded with a bunch of other lawsuits. There's gonna the, the minute you have a winning lawsuit <laughs> from a prisoner about some bullshit, how many uh, other prisoners are gonna cite that case, mm-hmm. right? And on top of that, on top of all of that, you gotta also remember. We're in systems where political parties are not cooperating, so the federal benches are empty most of the time. There's like a 30%, 20% emptiness rate, not to mention rich motherfuckers and billionaires don't want to pay taxes. Instead, what they get is cash outs from, from the taxpayers to help them with their projects and it can keep them rich. And so you have a lack of funding to the court system as well. So you have less judges available to hear shit. You have less money to cover all that. The net result is these judges and the, and the sub-judges have to make these decisions about, okay, shit, how long is this going to take? My calendar's already crowded. And I'll be honest, like, I honestly think this, that if we paid more money and we had twice as many judges, you might actually get better results. If judges had plenty of time to sit down and actually go through the facts and actually listen to both sides. And every, a lot of people think justice should happen fast. And there's maybe like 10% of the time that's the case. But really the best thing and the way the court system was designed was to allow a lot of back and forth to get cut through all the bullshit to eventually get down to like what's what really happened here and what's the wisest, best, and most efficient, like effective way of resolving this dispute mm-hmm. and it's because it's been starved mm-hmm. we have the system where it's like all right well we got to pick people who aren't we don't consider priorities in this society well that's w- prisoners so what prison are you fighting this case from at this time? so the first one was in pelican bay yeah i had went from salinas valley but the original the uh defendants were at salinas valley and at the time which was in my favor they just discovered there was a uh, uh, discovery of a prison gang. The Well, let me rephrase this. The prison guards creating a prison gang, right, called the Green Wall. And folks like back in the days, uh, Gloria Romero, who was a senator, California senator, and they had a, the FBI. They did an investigation. They found corruption. There were, there were these guards that took on this persona of being like, a gang, right? right? And, and uh, you know, called the Green Wall. And they had these symbols and tattoos. And, right. and they were mostly part of the internal affairs and the gang investigators units, right? So right. they were the ones like, you know, kind of like Crash out here was doing. Right. They take on this word gang. We, we know what's gang. When we're called, experts are called to, you know, define, oh, why is that symbol uh, uh, a Mexican mafia or whatever black gorilla gang symbol right they're the ones that oh it's because of this point and it's way it's shaped and that stands for this they get all it's crazy bro like where did you learn do you have a degree in this as your expertise no but because their word they walk around they wear different types of uniforms like they're hardcore black uh, military like when they go in they take people down and they were setting up people for fighting they were planning stuff on people um, they were having affairs with us. It was just crazy. It right, was that crazy. was that that they scandal. Got exposed. That was that scandal where you talk about Steve, where they were. Well, that was one. The, the, the gladiator, the yeah, gladiator battles. That was kind of Corcoran, but it 
it was it was there was a lot more to that. That was just it was similar to that, mm-hmm. definitely right. that type of culture. Which, right, absolutely. Which it's is, it's interesting because what you raise is the uh, concept that the the person that you're charged with guarding or the group that you're charged with combating, right, an enemy that you're charged with dealing with, you really have to be careful that you don't become them. Right. What's that old saying? When battling monster, don't become the monster. Well, I mean, yeah. what do you think about that? Michael? I mean, I think it's just a culture here in the United States. You know, we have from colonialism, the uh, everything is punishment. It's not dealt with healing crime and harm is dealt with more violence. Right. Or punishment. Right. And it's that idea like. Oh, instead of helping somebody or looking at what was the cause of it or letting, you know, people deal with conflict in a different way. It's like we punish them. We lock them up. And the worse you are, the worse punishment you're going to get. Right. Afflicted upon you. Solitary confinement. The more we can say you're violence, but yet we use violence. And these are not things that are healthy for human beings. Locking people up, meaning shackling people, meaning, shooting people, meaning you're saying the health. It's not healthy to allow people or to force people to do that to other people. Absolutely. And there's studies that go back into, you know, they took these, uh, I think it was a Stanford experiment, yeah, right, where right, they tested right. just normal people, how long, you become statistic. If you're inflicting punishment, and punishment is a good thing in a form of, oh, it's justice, right, cloaked under the uh, the cloud of justice, it's okay, you're doing good, you're not a bad person. Right. And once you become... Uh, you know, used to inflicting punishment on people and using violence against people, justifiable in your own brain, you begin to, it becomes natural for you. Right. 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 Well, and so I and think... I, I also, sorry, but ahead. I also think that stems from colonialism and white settlerism. Settlerism, when they came, they came with force, like the Aztecs, right? Right. Because to them, that conquering mentality was, you know, it's machismo, it's good, it's your justice, you're fighting for you know, either the church, the cross, right? Uh, these are the heathens. These are the savages. So we must use violence to stop them. Right. right? But but so you're opening up some interesting topics, one of which is um, I don't think I, th- I don't think people and I think even myself have a hard time really putting an objective mindset on it. Like, if you think about, like, what the common image of the Old West is, right, you have, like, the cowboy, and then you have, like, the Indian. And the cowboy is so much like the Indian in a lot of ways, right? They're both outside. They're both not really wanting to be a part of organized culture. Like, the cowboy hates civilization, right? And he wants to be out on the range, and sometimes you even see this middle ground between the cowboy and, and the Indian where the Indian's wearing some cowboy shit and the cowboy is somewhat Indian. And they always have friends that cross the line, right? Like every cowboy has a couple of good Indian brothers and then some of the Indians have a few cowboys that they actually respect and understand and all that shit. So I think people have a hard time understanding that if you think that you are the person controlling or keeping the other side in check, the chances are you're doing the exact same thing that that other side needs to be kept in check from. Exactly. And it's hard to see yourself like the enemy. Exactly. And if you look at other countries like um, Sweden, I think their jails, you know, we, oh, it's, 
you know, they're they don't live in cells, but they also have less violence. They have better oh, health. Oh, Norway systems. and all that. Norway, shit, bro. I mean, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they have their prison system isn't built on punishment, right? You no, know, rehabilitation, built on rehabilitation, yeah. education. Which for me is why I'm here talking to you and not out on the streets shooting people or slanging dope or other things that I used to do, right? Right. So I think that it's important to understand, like, without that access, right? Yeah. That access continually oppressing people through you know these barriers of racism and classism in order to get into these institutions of higher learning and access right well so you're raising another interesting point so the colonials Mm -hmm. right that are they basically what a colonial has done at least in the recent history 1600 1700 the colonial has done is they've gotten permission from the king so they're coming from a system that's already oppressive Mm-hmm. Right. And a lot of the colonials, not like the admiral or the leader, but everyone underneath that has to do the grunt work were basically shitheads back in the home country. They were like shitheads, losers, bro. In debt. In debt. All in that, that jail. Shit. They're paying in. They them. were religious nuts that nobody wanted to be around. And they're like, fuck it. You know what? We're going to get you out of here, but you're going to have to go over there and fucking shovel shit. Or whatever it is. Still resources. Right. So, but, so what's interesting, so they're the savages. They sent the savages in their homeland that they considered savages. And I'm not saying that they really were, right? Because I I really believe poverty fucks people up. They don't care where you're at. So they, but the king, who he would never have lunch or dinner with any of these fuck faces Mm -hmm. that were at the bottom, (laughs) sends them over there. That's the system they're coming from. Those are savages being sent to check savages or to take property from savages, which at the end of the day is what a king is. A king is a successful thief. So successful, in fact, that he has been legitimized. Right. And so now everybody's like, fuck it. He's got everyone following his paradigm now, so we're going to go with it, and, and that's called law. And that's what we're going to call law. Mm-hmm. So when I'm saying all that and we're talking about it, I always think, like, man, I got to remember it goes the other way, too. It's got to go the other way, too. If I'm fighting. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In colonials, at what point do I become a colonial? Mm-hmm. If I'm saying I want to end the oppression of others and I'm fighting the establishment, at what point do I become the establishment? What are your thoughts on that, Michael? Well, I definitely think going back to what you had mentioned earlier about the people who came over, you know what they say, like hurt people hurt people, right? right. These are traumatized people just right. like us. Right. who weren't given the opportunity to heal. Right. That's right? why so I think when we do look to change and, and leadership and, and tyrant and tyranny, which is throughout history, right, mm-hmm. I think it's time to go back to, you know, healing, right? Right. Having that, that love and care for your people as opposed to, oh, this greed and everything's about capitalism and material wealth. It's hard. But I think this country is coming to a point where capitalism meets colonialism right in a way and and all the people who have been oppressed at the bottom right yeah now like waking up and realizing like this is crazy this is actually happening it doesn't matter if i'm black or 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 brown and a trump supporter or in you know in a position of these institutions right in in a well-off position they're still going to treat me with that same racism oppression that's deeply embedded in the roots in the beginnings of this country that has caused people to become desensitized, that has caused generational racism. Some kids don't grow up racist. They're taught that by their their grandfathers, their mothers, their fathers, right? Yeah. So I think that at this time, we're going to begin to see if we want change, we have to end and also give people access, especially that's why I'm a proponent or rather a supporter of higher education for people because it has really changed not only my life, but my yeah. perspective. And we begin to analyze things, you know, through critical lenses and have these discussions about them, we can come to better solutions as opposed to just following the herd mentality and following what this media and all this other drama around is, is created to distract us, right? Yeah, so where do you, I kind of agree with you, where it seems like this country's at a kind of a, an in, a crossroads, and in, in, at least in my feeling, I feel like we dealt with slavery about whatever it was, 100, 200 years ago, 140 years ago. And ultimately, it had to be a war. Like, you got to, a, it was kind of crazy when you think about it now. But at some point, we tried to accommodate the South and the, and the racists and the slaves, slavery, slave owners, right? We tried to accommodate them. We made, like this compromise and then we're like well okay for every state that's slave we're gonna have a free and then it was like okay well they run away and they're in the free we'll bring them back we did kind of almost everything Mm -hmm. you could think of that like it's not right i'm not saying it's right but what i'm saying is it's like we kind of like try but there came a zero level where at some point lincoln was like fuck i guess we gotta fucking kill these people we we have to kill them because they're willing to die for this Mm -hmm. whoever it was right and I feel like we went through that hurdle. And what we got from it was, okay, so no more outward slavery. 
right? We're not outwardly doing it. And what you privately feel inside, we're not going to try to deal with that too much. We're just, it was so brutal that it was, it was fine that we shut these institutions down and we'll set up a prison system that, you know, at least has the, the fine patina of seeming to be fair, right? But, but we're not doing it the way we were going to do it. And that was kind of, I think, what the war was about to a certain extent was we got to break the back of the situation. And now here we are, I think, at the end of trying to accommodate people who are refusing to change their view. And we're now at a place where it's almost like uh, we got to do something to show that this is the zero level. It's no longer tolerable for you to. We tried to let you be in the corner and racist and we tried to let you kind of just do your thing. And we weren't going to. But instead, you guys want us to keep making noise. You keep pushing. And now we are going to have to tell you again, we're fucking serious. It's ending. Where do you think? this election and the next four years of this country is going wow that's a huge uh fucking lay it on that's a heavy load right there i definitely would say um i mean you know it all depends it's so right now it's so much in the air and depending on different circumstances with the mail ballots you know he could call that there's people who are like well folks like the proud boys or or other militia and, and even under the constitution Folks could use that to say, I have a right to bear arms. I have a right under, I believe, the Second Amendment to form a militia against enemies within as well as without, right? Yeah. And so they could take it as, hey, you know, the the uh, vote was rigged. The election was rigged. Uh, Trump should be president, and he refuses, and who's going to remove him? Or if Biden wins and, you know, folks form a militia, and remove him a revolution with some it, it it could be crazy right i mean i know that's what people are, think about and i'm always the type of person i try to be a realist yeah but i'm also like i've seen crazy shit in my life happen right. i've seen coups i've seen motherfuckers get stabbed and killed big dogs in front of me right yeah and like the whole political game over power mm-hmm. right and especially seeing now like okay like you said people were in the little corner now you see them out on the middle of the streets with these big old flags right. talking about Blue Lives Matter Trump supporters right. with their bullet, with their AK, AR-15. Right. And, you know, like, they're not what what BLM uh, parade or whatever, right? Right. And that's even mellowed down. Right. And been appropriated by these nonprofit industrial uh, uh, complex social justice folks, right? For-profit type things. Yeah. Appropriating our fight and our people. And so seeing them come out now so strong right. and so supportive, and it's exactly built into the system. I cannot even walk around with a firearm to protect myself from these people who I'm very afraid of. Yeah. And we should all be afraid of. Yeah. Because I have a felony record. Right? right. The same thing with disenfranchisement of a person's right to vote. Right. If you keep the black and brown people who are primarily the people who went through mass incarceration and have criminal records, who can now not vote, nor ever buy a firearm. We don't have to worry about them. Right. They might have a couple little illegal straps, little 22, little broken down 38. We got the big things. They're walking around with AR-15. With a license to use it. And with the li- they can literally drive around in their car. Well, we have to be, you know. Undercover. Danny, where do, where do you think this is heading? With the election. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're at the national moment. 
I'm a, I'm a fucking pessimist, yo. I think shit's gonna get worse. Yeah, how so? I, like, if he loses, he's not gonna concede, right? And then, and if he if he wins, then he's gonna be emboldened, right? You know what I mean? And, and then you know, so it's it's a very tricky situation, right? And um, I you know, I just I I'm bracing for the worst. Which means what? You got sandbags up around the house? Well, one, I, I, you know, going back to what he talks about, right? One thing that a criminal conviction does, it, it one, it disenfranchises you from the vote. Yeah. But also, which I can vote now, mm-hmm. but I'm not allowed to have a firearm. Right. 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 Do I have a firearm? Well, that's not something I'm going to talk right. about, right? Of course but, you but, don't. Like, I, for the record, I do not have a firearm. No one no has right? I have a firearm. I have a firearm. You do. Yeah, yeah, you have quite a few firearms. I got a bunch. But I think that's what... I'm going to be over there. Yeah. Don't worry. I got space. If you think about uh, gun control, right? Gun control, there is gun control, right? But it's only when it comes to, um, we can say uh, communities of color, but more mo- the most marginalized people are not able to have access right. to guns because right. most of the time they're going to have those convictions that prevent them from having mm, possession. Right. Mm. right. Um, Steve, where do you see this heading? Um. I'm an optimist, but a realist. You're an opt-a-realist. I'm not opt-a-realist. Which means what? <laughs> and that I'm hoping that, um, you know, I, 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 I see fucking um, Trump and what's just recently come out, you know, my, my you know, optimal, uh, this fucking guy is going to die due to fucking um you know, COVID. Yeah, yeah, COVID. <laughs> you know, um, hey, caramel. Right. So then, okay, maybe we get rid of him like that. Um, and I'm hoping that he that enough people show up and vote, and that we can vote this guy out. So that's one thing. But as it's gone, and the shit that this guy gets away with, and it's like they've already shown what this guy does, and his supporters continue to grow. They've already shown what a scumbag this guy is, what right. a liar, what a thief, what a and so that makes me think this fucking guy probably has a good chance of fucking serving a second, another fucking term, bro. And if that's the case, I think it's going to head more towards the terms of. And, and I hate to say it, bro. I'm just going to say it. Just say it, man. What the fuck? <laughs> change. If you look at the history of the world, real change comes through bloodshed. It's never come through peace it just hasn't bro that the, uh, humans or whatever doesn't operate like that at some point in time that will run out and no longer suffice and it'll have to be it's like some mm-hmm. idiot that doesn't know how to shut his fucking mouth and keeps on his mouth keeps on fucking and he doesn't understand anything you could try and talk to him but the only thing he's gonna understand is when you knock Punch his fucking teeth out <laughs> then then mm-hmm. it'll change and i believe when you take it from a personal level to a level of masses, it still operates the same way. Right. You got ignorant, angry people that have hurt, hurt, sick. They're not going to hear it, man. They're too caught up in them. And the only way they're going to hear it is some gunfire is going to have to get put down. Some people are going to have to put, put down probably. And that's going to happen on both sides if there's a revolution. Right. But uh, uh, I say right now, I'm willing to die in the streets, bro. With an illegal strap. Right. You know? Like, if it comes down to it, man, 
Like, I know that a lot of people can talk and talk, but if it comes down to it, man, I'm ready to get busy, man, you know? I'll go out in the blaze of glory. Right. Sean? Dude, it's I'm a, a pessimist. Time. Go mm -hmm. ahead. And I think that um, the thing is, I think that, say Trump wins. Go ahead. I think that there'll probably be less <sighs> violence. And I'm not saying I want him to win. Right. I'm saying I hate that motherfucker and he could die of COVID yeah, today right. and I'd be you know, more happy. He got but what, he got. what I'm thinking is that if Biden is president, I think we're going to see a surge of, of hate groups. Right. I think we're going to see more militia, more, you know, white people buying guns. And um, as an answer to that, I think you're going to see more minorities buying guns. I hope in so. This country. I hope so. Yeah, me too. And just like Steve, Ah, dude, I think we out. I think we outnumber them, um, right? But I mean, I'm not saying that I want a war or a civil war or anything like that. But something's gonna have to happen, man. Look, but to look get at, taken seriously. Look at the, the the look at the laws. Look at the things that we have that have been set up over time. Humanity rights, human rights, all these things that we have today. How did they get there? The revolution. It was people. Thousands, millions of people died so they, their seeds so that we could sit under the tree in the shade, right? Yep. Mm. It was. Look at the Civil War. Dude, he mentioned mm -hmm. Lincoln had it made come to the city that we're going to have to kill people. And you know what? Yeah, yeah that was I, the city that I, did not want to give up slaves they were for profit, money. Listen to this. You got to think, you got to put your mind in the average Southerner back then. The average guy didn't have a slave. But he was still willing to die so that <laughs> yes. the rich fuckers back then could That's have a That's crazy, bro. <laughs> it's That's point crazy. Though, that, that average slave still benefited from the system of slavery. No, no, no. I'm not saying that, he and you're the, right. He, he the, the, the average Southerner, right, the poor Southerner could, it, it, at the minimum, could say, I'm better than this fucking slave. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, 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 then, and then I could beat the slave, or I could do I get that, and you're right. I'm not saying that they're not free of part, uh, at least getting the benefits. But what I am saying is a lot of the people that died in the Civil War didn't have the money to own a fucking slave, yet they were willing to die for the ideology. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, but also what I'm saying is that they're willing to die because not, not benefiting in the sense like um, just like this privilege, but they were economically benefiting, right? A lot of times we think of slavery as just a plantation, one dude who owns a plantation and owns a bunch of, a couple people, but it was an actual fucking system. Right. It was a corporate system. Right. The system of slavery was a corporate system that right. went from like top level management all the way to down like, you know, to the enslaved people. Right, right, right. right. But Thank just you. like that system, okay, the lowest level of the people in Amazon, right, let's say working in the warehouse, you could say, well, they are benefiting from this fucked up Bezos who owns everything because at least they got a job. So in the same way, you would say that. But you could also make an argument like this idiot that works at what the warehouse is still willing to support the system that's keeping this big, big fuck face rich. Mm -hmm. Right. So in my senses, I'm just saying it's one thing to vote. It's another thing to be handed a rifle and sent on some muddy hill. Mm -hmm. and, and, and listen, man, listen. Put your mind right back because I, there was I've read articles recently because everyone's talking about it where they were like at the first couple of battles, both sides weren't like this is really happening. 
Like both sides are like kind of where we're at right now, which is like this is crazy. General Lee was in the same school as Grant. Like they all know right. each other. Right. That's There's no crazy. way this Imagine. is. Yeah. There's yeah. no way it's that not, the, like we're really gonna do this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. who's gonna kick it off? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they were there was picnickers that would be watching the first wow. battle, thinking like, oh, it's gonna be a little skirmish, and then everyone's gonna be like, this is nuts what we're doing. Like we're brothers. Like we're not supposed to be killing each other. And ultimately, it became one of the deadliest wars mm-hmm. of all time. Yep. It got entrenched. Yep. The Southerners were so crazy that they tried to get slaves to fight for a fucking yeah. the South. Yeah. Think about how fucked up in the head you mm-hmm. had to be to not understand that dynamic. Right. Yeah. Right? Nuts. So <laughs> I think, like, we're at this place again. America, we got so comfortable. Uh, man, we got so comfortable. We, I mean, we got way comfortable. <clears throat> And part of it is our fault in the sense that we got, we, I don't know anybody in my personal self. I'm not going to speak for everyone here, but I'm going to say for my personal self, I don't know anybody that really takes like non-materialism seriously. Mm-hmm. Like most people I run around with and I know are like, I'm trying to get the good paying job. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to fucking have this. I'm going to have that. I'm going to have a fucking car, blah, 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 car and a house. And somebody else fucking told me the other day or from one of these guys that I, that I listened to that I really respect and admire. He was saying, if you think that you're reaching your dream by getting a car and a house then you got beat you you've already lost you got beat right and if, even if you get it you got beat because each one of us if we were to really get serious and like go back to what's really could be right like what could it absolutely be about we could really change a lot of shit and we i feel like my generation generation x let's say I'm just speaking for me. I feel like my generation sold out and gave up. They fucking sold out and gave up. I feel like the boomers talked a good game and then sold out. Then Generation X was mad at their parents for selling out and didn't even try. And then I feel like millennials don't even necessarily have the grounding yet to understand where the battle's really at. And then Gen Zers are so far out that they don't even know the history of how we got here. Mm-hmm. That's what busy, I really... Too busy making TikTok videos. Right, well, right, I'm, right, not, right. I'm not even going to clown them. I'm not going to clown them because Generation X knew better. Mm-hmm. Right? And we were the ones that allowed a lot of this libertarian Tea Party bullshit to seep down. This concept that like libertarianism could work, which is a weird... A weird political uh, discussion because at first it sounds like true freedom. You're like, oh yeah, like every individual be able to do it. But then when you let you go, well, okay, so does that mean we can fight and hurt each other and all this other shit? Then they're like, yeah, and you're like, that's never gonna work. What are you talking about? That's never gonna. Or they're the same people that are like, well, let's just get rid of money. Let's go back to bartering. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? It ain't ever gonna happen. Or because nobody's producing, right? Like not, individually producing. Not only is nobody individually producing, but the world is not the same as it was. Right. Like you can't. This is what drives me crazy. And then you get these people, and these are Trump supporter people, right? They're like some kind of like weird, like appendix, like uh, some organ that doesn't really have a use. That's the result of some sort of process, and it's just there. And they're sort of stuck in this situation where they're like. Well, you know, fuck globalization. You know what I mean? And they're crazy because, like, is it ever going to go back to small government? No. How? How could it possibly? Globalization started, like, 1,000, 2,000 years ago. Who knows? It's probably always been globalization, just different speeds. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Rowboats. <laughs> these motherfuckers are the same people that are like, oh, yeah, there was a land bridge and the fucking Indians came from over here and they came over here. But then they're like, let's end globalization. I'm like, motherfucker, globalization has always been going on. It's just a different speed. What the hell are you talking about? People are regularly migratory. People are migratory. The fucking continents are migratory. At one time, it was one big chunk of thing, Pangea, and then it broke apart and spreading all around. I mean, what the fuck? So my point is, is that this whole thing is delusional. Delusional on a grand scale. Part of the problem is education. And that's what Michael's talking about, and I agree with that. And I don't know if Michael feels the same way, but I do, where when they look closely at the law, when I really look at it, right, and if you can get the judge to look at it, you can actually get a fair result if you have the time, the money, the energy, the da 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 to actually push that all together. Go ahead. You had something to say, Michael. No, I just I think you're spot on. And uh, something that I learned as a jailhouse lawyer, because I read a book that was actually written by a judge, uh, former justice, rest in peace, Justice Scalia. Scalia. And, Scalia. Yeah. yeah. And it's the art of... Uh, persuasion right uh, persuading judges right the art right. of persuading judges right. he wrote it he gave the like the key blueprint right right and in there it says and it's true and i heard this from other prisoners like <clears throat> if you write a brief over 50 pages you're gonna lose their interest most judges they don't have the time to read it or right they won't read it right or if it's not legible they won't even read it right so i think it's true or because they're so over booked with a bunch of other cases right we're put at the bottom of priority right right and so typically it is and i've heard this even through uh through all the way up to the supreme court that it's the clerks who are interns often and not judges right who read and get to choose who shit should be heard and who gets a day in court and who doesn't right, right? because the judges do not have the time or capacity to read through everybody's shit 100 percent. and so i think we are at the moment I think that we're at the moment, and and I think that the left has really, like, fucked up. I think the left is really fucked up. And this is why we have Biden, and this is why Mm. we're in this sort of, like, Sophie's Choice election, which it's like, we're not, look, I don't care. You could put a fucking shit sandwich on the other side of Trump. I'm going to go with a shit sandwich right now, right? (laughs) And I'm even going to say, like, uh, it doesn't even bother me that Biden's like on death's door because if he dies, at least Kamala Harris is going to be president. And we got a black woman. Blah, blah, blah. However, she was a prosecutor. So it's not like she's not totally part of the establishment. So I'm, not, I'm so I'm like, OK, and, and Bernie's never going to get there. And who knows? And you could talk to conspiracy theorists and they'll be like, well, Bernie was just put there just to fucking make you think something was going to happen. And he's not really because he would have fought harder if he would have. I don't know. But the point is. We are at the very end of centrism. We are at the very end of this concept that we can continue on the economic system that we're on right now and still everybody has enough to participate to feel like they got some skin in the game. We're at the towards the end of that. And how do you know? Because people are clapping about 15 bucks an hour. That ain't shit. <laughs> 15 bucks an hour ain't shit. And I'm not saying that to say... You shouldn't count your blessings. And people fucking, they talk to me, and I fucking, if I could punch people in the face, mm. I would. Which is like, you know, they're like, yeah, but 15 bucks an hour. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, if you're in a house and your husband beats you, you can look at the house where the woman's only getting verbally abused and be like, well, then she got it pretty good. That doesn't mean what's going on in the houses is right. Fuck that. 
And I don't think that this country, I don't think that this country and I don't think that we as a people are living up to our potential at all because we have allowed public education to become shit education. And it, I'm not blaming even teachers. I'm saying you should be able to become, a, it should be a dog fight to be the teacher in America. It should be like the salary's 250K a year with perfect benefits so that the best of the best of the best mm-hmm. are choking each other to get there. Mm. Right now, it's like, well, I mean, who's going to take that job? 35K probably. You're right. <laughs> 60K. And then right now, the situation in America is so fucked up that a lot of people are like, that's, I guess that's pretty good. But now you're just kind of like a babysitter. And then you got committees, right, who control the textbooks. And before you can get to a place where you can question a textbook, how much school do you have to have gone through before you can be like, oh, that textbook was full of shit? How long? And how much student debt? Loans. Right. And when you have that much debt, What's the chances of you not selling out to get a high-paying corporate job to pay that debt? Mm. And now you don't even have time to sit back and talk to your people and be like, you know what? This is all a lie. It's 100% a lie. Look, I have dreams. I have dreams, Danny, where I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I would just love to set up like a situation where it was like three hours a day. And we have a philosophical discussion and or history lessons. You can, anyone can propose whatever they want. We're going to chase it all down. And we're going to let everyone else decide, like, okay, what do I think happened? What do I don't think happened? Blah, 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 blah. I would give anything to do that. Let me say this, too. Um, and you've talked about this a lot, Chumahan. And that is, you know, when they've convinced us that the uh, cinnamon frappuccino <laughs> is really something special, you know, <laughs> I feel good. Or the bacon. Oh. The double bacon, triple air, there are the Wendy's at fucking for three ninety nine now. I'm winning, you know, <laughs> making fucking five hundred and sixty dollars every two weeks. I can go get as many fucking shakes and fucking. But they've already got you sidetracked. Right. The other thing is, all this type of stuff, bro. Um, the 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 it, it is it is much more difficult to navigate now than it even was 15, 20 years ago. To do the job I used to do, which was sales manage apparel companies, was so much easier. Now they've created so much filler and filter and things to go through. Dude, you have have password uh, memory apps because you need passwords for everything and everything. And every app that you think you have to learn the whole day. And to navigate just through a fucking day, they've got you so preoccupied with all this shit that you can't begin to think of doing something else because you'll fuck up this or your credit or your phone's getting turned off this or the insurance. And they've got all these things. like So even to maneuver through life, bro, they... The amount of shit you have to be able to sift through on a daily basis before you can even get to spending time with your fucking family, sitting down. To, like they've disintegrated the family fabric of you For know what I'm saying. Like sure, and it's just and you know and what? I think it's a setup. I think this is a lot of smoke and mirrors to keep you from fucking paying attention to what really is going on. Okay. But listen, dude, as much and so the, the 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 illogical thing or the thing that's a, a um that does make doesn't make sense is while we've got more passwords to protect our shit 
as much as possible. We're also the most spied upon mm. and the less privacy you're ever going to have. It's it's well that's it. There Think you go. That. You got all these passwords, but fucking Stater Brothers knows exactly what fucking shit you've been buying for the last ten years. Yeah. It all started with that fucking supermarkets. With the fucking card, the club card. They'll charge you less so long as they know who you are and your information, and then they can know what you're buying so they can fucking tweak their little shit to make more money. From that it fucking that's eventually became to, oh, guess what? The NSA's got an algorithm that's listening and reading through all your shit, but don't worry. The no. market's got an algorithm first. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. and that's true. And then and then it was like, even Obama was like, yeah, but, you know, nothing that is, doesn't concern national security, we're not doing. And then later you find out, like, oh, no, they got a bunch of nude photos of your girlfriend, and NSA guys have been submitting them to each other and laughing and <laughs> right, jerking right, off right, and right, laughing. Right, 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 like, right. you knew they would. Like, you knew they would. This shit drives me crazy. That's another reason why I think it's suspicious that porn is so readily available on the internet. I'm not against it, like, in the sense that, like, everybody likes to see naked shit. I'm just saying, like, there was a time in this country, there was a time, brother, where trying to get a hold of a picture of a naked oh, woman was brother. so hard. Let me tell you something. Go Let ahead. me say this. Go. Because I'm a... Listen, I ain't gonna lie. I was an avid porn watcher, right? Whether on drugs or not, I Go had ahead. porn in my life. You Go know, ahead. my dad had porn. I was stealing his porn. Go ahead. But I remember there used to be you had to buy pornography if you were gonna watch. You had to pay cash money <laughs> to get <laughs> magazines, and then it was DVDs, right? Like DVDs, a uh, VHS, right? You had to pay, right? Thirty dollars, right? Thirty-five dollars in a porno shop to get it. Then when it transferred over to online. Right? Cable TV and online. Yeah. There was no free Google porn. Right. That shit, you had to pay to get memberships. So there was no free porn. Right. Just recently, I just went on just a little, wanted <laughs> to peep some things out, right? <laughs> they got full length every movie you want to see for nothing. Yeah. For free. Yeah. It's the most readily available content on the internet. Right. I, I understand. And they're feeding it to you, bro. Yeah. You put uh, big boobs, punching big boobs. Oh. And bro, just Sean's just laughing at you because Sean's like, dude, I'm punching in the milk and table. Hours and hours of free porn. Whatever I got you Bruce, want. Mike in Brazil. That, that's that's odd to me. That's strange no, to me. So that's a distraction. Absolutely. Right, and it's tearing the family fabric. You know what? I honestly think that the one of the reasons why they used to control porn was because they wanted to make sure couples stay together because that was maybe the only nookie and nudity you were going to get to see. Oh. So imagine you went like a week. Right, and you didn't get to see nothing, no hand relief, nothing, and then you go and see your old lady. Oh, it's, it's a wrap. Like, it's gonna go down. It don't matter if she had a fucking tumor in the middle of her chest. You're gonna be like, right. I gotta get going. Can you imagine being locked up for twenty years no. without? Dude, <laughs> fuck. Listen, but at the same time, this country is also the country that makes it bad. Right. How like many prison. years can you not? They would show a woman's tits right front, mm-hmm. but you can't show a man's front. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Only the ass shot. Like, they would make yeah. it bad. Where in other countries, you know, there's it's nude beaches, nude and beaches. it's like, it's natural. You know, it's like this everything. Dude, and, and like, nude beaches ain't hot, man. That's it's like a bunch of though. ugly people naked. Mm-hmm. It's funny, though, because even, like, out here, Playboy, you, that wouldn't be shit to nobody out here, right? would be like, come on, homie, <laughs> Playboy, just... Like, what Quit the playing. fuck is that? Right, Quit yeah. playing, right? right? In prison, motherfuckers are paying money right. to get that shit. Because oh, dude. there's not even frontal nudity no more. Right. They've limited it. It went from full porn to, oh, just, you know, 
uh, female breasts to yeah. even some of the magazines like Curve, which you know are bikini man. Oh, it's showing a little bit of nipple. Yeah, you can see oh, uh, the dude. areola. Oh, They'll dude. confiscate it. Right. Like, oh, yeah, right. and refuse to let allow to have the, that. I used to get the double XL, and in the back they have like all these little pictures of girls. Oh, yeah. So that would deny it. Like, and yeah. then they wonder why <laughs> you're creating a society where like oh, so when we do see naked and stuff, people go crazy, right? Right. Well, but, but, listen, a, but listen, and they took away, but they, what, they took away the family. Business for a long time, bro. Visits. You let, let me just say this. Yeah, bro. tell me. A point in tell time, me. dog, where you're a lifer, okay? You get convicted of murder, or whatever, you get sentenced to life. Go ahead. Okay? Yeah. But if you're married, you can file, and every 90 days or something like that, they have your wife can come in oh. with your kids, bro. Right. They bring the food, they bring the pots and pans, and they're able to stay in a little trailer. Trailer, right? That the cops drive by, you have to wave to them. Because I had a family visit. And whatever, okay? So you got this family visit action. All inmates had this, bro. If you were married or you get married, you have this. Now, this would this would suffice many, many people that were doing life in prison, bro. Right. Less rape, less abuse, da, 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 right? Right. Makes total sense. So you're a lifer, bro, and you're married. And you've got these visits, and you're programming to get these visits. You got to be a... No write-ups, and right? Right. They took these fucking visits uh, like that, bro. Like, the, they took that shit, and that's it. Right. You don't have it. A guy that's a lifer, bro. Mm. He's been down 20 years. His wife is still down with him. They, whatever the kid, they just took it like that, man, and removed it. That only perpetuates more of... Just gonna fuck these dudes up more. But, but, more, but, but, punishment, but they, more punishment, more punishment. Then how much? How much behavior would that lead to them having to do something to take their mind off of that, which would be drugs or whatever else? Everything else, violence, and frustration, lock rape, them up, abuse, them for shit now in prison. And what, did they lead, give them back yet? Didn't yeah. they, they did yeah. give them back. You see, but it could even lead to like just breakups, right? Uh, right. Like, like, yeah. like saying like you I can't, can't see you maintain no you. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I think it's also interesting to note that only in program facilities right and they dictate if you're a gang member you now there's this classification level so yeah. you don't qualify for this or and definitely folks that are being were kept in solitary confinement for decades some of up to 40 years were never allowed those type of visits we're still visiting people behind a glass can't even hug let alone kiss them Man. let alone touch them yep dude i know this isn't proper but i just want to know like in a family visit like that and everything's been saved up and stored up, and you're ready to. I mean, how exciting is that? Like when the woman comes, and it you're was, like, it was, it was like the first. It, it was, it's crazy because it ain't like when you get out of prison, you're like, maybe I'm gonna get laid, or maybe like you know you're gonna get some nookie nookie, you know? Right. So, it's a trip, dog. Yeah. And it it like, was a trip. Like, and I remember Jessica came and she had to bring like pots and pans yeah. and enough food for yeah. this day. And then she brought Vincent with her. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they come and I'm waiting and waiting. And this oh. is like, it's almost like being paroled, bro. You're so <laughs> happy and excited. And then <laughs> and finally they drive you and escort you over to this little bunker, bro. And you go in there. It's like a little two bedroom with a little stove and everything. Yeah. Like, I'm in there and it was just like. What's hard about those is like any other visit. It's when it ends. Yeah. But it ends. It's very, um, it's hard, bro. It's hard to navigate back to like, you're almost in it the whole time. It's kind of like eating like a great pizza. The uh, first bite's so good, but you're already counting the rest of them when you're going to be done, right? Right. It's almost like you're like that. And uh, so when it when a good visit or something, especially been in the shoe, and maybe I did shoe term and for 13 months, I couldn't see anybody, right? And then you finally get in, you see him. 
walking back and leaving, having to kiss your kid or your loved one goodbye and go back is very, very difficult, man. You know? Man. And I you would... have to keep, you got to remember too, bro, you're not allowed to feel your emotions. Right, in right. You got to ma- right. You got to mask up. You know, there's a, you know what? And this is something, Danny, maybe that me and you are going to talk more about. I, um, I had thought many times about um, the things that go on in a prison tier and the and the ingenuities of being busted and what what we've created in order to communicate past things, get through this and that, but also the psychology of of men and the division of races that's kind of been implemented in there, right? Segregating that, and I. Um, I'll tell you guys offline the title of this, but I started writing a play. And the play takes place on a prison tier. And the whole play is just three prison tiers, black, Mexican, and white. And what goes on in one day. The whole play is a one day through there. Um, and the cast is only six guys, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But it's seven because you have uh, you have two prison guards, a nighttime and that come by. Yeah. And... I'll tell you, the name of the play is Armor. And the reason it's called Armor is because all these men, we all, even the guards, have to put up this armor Mm -hmm. and pretend to be something and do things that a lot of us inside don't really want to do, man. And it's underneath this armor, when you remove this armor, is a man, is a human being that bleeds all the same color. And this play kind of tells that story from beginning. And you slow, you see the separation and segregation in, in, in the beginning, but as the play proceeds and as it eventually comes to the finale, the armor's removed and you get to see how we're all just human beings. We've all just maybe made some mistakes and we're all just learning. And you know, that's a, that's a big thing. Um, it's a big thing in, in, in having to deal with all that we have to deal with going through prison and not being able to emotionally respond. You know, crying is a natural thing, bro. Mm-hmm. The tears have to come out for your soul, for your inside. And over years of sub- suppressing these emotions and not feeling them, bro, this is where many things like, like cancer and disease come from suppressing and never... So the ailments and the and the things that happen to you through these, it's it's you know, and it's brought on not only by the CDC, but it's brought on by our peers, man. We have to keep up this fake front. So a lot of the time, the time I spent in prison, I wasn't able to participate as a human being. Well, I had to be resigned to a cause, and I have to fit this certain. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's what I mean when I'm saying that while you're fighting colonialism, you have to be careful not to become a colonizer because. Like you said, it's not just them that's stopping you from being a human being, but it's also this other system that's stopping you from being a human being. Who's a you know, and the, the power is exerted because they make you think there's a dilemma, there's a false dilemma. You got either you're gonna you're gonna group up with a certain group that's against the CDC, or you're gonna allow the CDC to do whatever. Those are your choices. Is what is presented. Absolutely. But I, I'm going to say this, and I don't know where you guys feel about this or not. And it's kind of like I said about revolution stuff. And that's like, I always, through my process of being in prison, there were inmates and there were convicts. And there was a point in time where the CDC would try to take some shit and the convicts were riding on that shit. They weren't having it, bro. And I think over time, through the psyche, through the, you know, uh, suppression 
through all these fucked up laws that bury you further and further and further, people started to give in easily, easier. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've taken, bro, just in the last, so I haven't been to prisons. I paroled in 2001. But since then, what I left and what's going on now, and even when I hear stories from you, from the weights to the tobacco to the Levites, they've made it where you used to be able to get packages from your family, a Levi's, some music, some yeah. canned goods. You no longer, and not only can you no longer do it, you have to buy it from their yeah. vendors who they're taking Monopoly. a kickback from. Listen, not only is it true in prison, <laughs> but that's true outside Side of prison. Exactly. You used to be able to work at a company and have benefits. You used to have, you could support your wife. And now everybody's so fucking happy if mm. they can get a $15 an hour job as a barista and get Bean stock and some fucking bullshit, and they're grateful because they got a ton of other. Everyone's giving everyone on the inside and outside. We have been nothing but giving up more and more and more and more to the system. Yeah, and it's let, fucked up. Let me ask you, um, Michael, uh, what on this last term, what different prisons were you in through California? Did you move around? So I went from the reception center. Uh, I believe it was at, I want to say Wasco. This was the 98 though, right? That's when, yeah. the last term? Yeah, 98. So I went, because I paroled, so I actually, in 1996, I paroled from Pelican Bay Shoe at 26. I had gotten incarcerated, I believe, like at 17, and then my time was up. But I was put in the shoe for a stabbing assault, right? Mm-hmm. I was convicted or through their disciplinary process found guilty given a... I think it was a 24-month shoe. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but because I was maxing out on my sentence, I only gave him one sh- one year of that shoe, right? So when I paroled, I paroled uh, owing them shoe owing time. Yeah. So when I came back straight to from the shoe. county jail, right at reception, oh, no, I don't get to go to the general population. I'm going straight you back to Pelican Bay. Right. So I'm going to add seg waiting on a bus going back to Pelican Bay. From Pelican Bay... Um, I went, I completed my, uh, one year, I gave them back their one year. And ironically, when I was released from the shoe, um, I was released to the main line into one of the biggest, uh, prison riots in, in, I think the nation's history, right? Over 200, uh, African Americans. And I think it was 150, uh, quote unquote Hispanics, according to the, uh, the documents, right? The write up. Um, so I, as soon as I got out of the shoe, I was put in a yard, and then a huge riot jumped off. I think it was like in February of uh, that was the Pelican Bay riot. Really mm-hmm. shot. I believe it was two thousand. Two thousand. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, my neighbor had got killed, and then I was also <clears throat> sent back to the hole. So I was only on the main line a couple of weeks, coming out of the shoe, mm-hmm. and then I get caught up in that riot, sent back to the sh- to the hole at Pelican Bay, and charged with conspiracy to commit murder on African-American prisoners, Mm -hmm. saying that because I brought word from the shoe and, Mm -hmm. you know, I was back there and part of this whole conspiracy, and I fought that for about two years. I beat it in that seg, and from there I was sent down to uh, uh, Salinas Valley State Prison just to another rock and roll. Level four rock and and roll yard, right? But where he's talking about is where it's just cracking. They're just sending him where all the heat's flowing. Mm. Yeah. And so over there, I got validated, right? Mm-hmm. I was on the yard for two years. I was named the uh, representative for our people to speak on behalf, like they call them Mac reps. Right, the Mac reps. Um, mm-hmm. Because 
you know, folks on the main line wanted their program, wanted their rights, and they wanted somebody who kind of knew the law and could speak for them and, sure. you know, be held uh, accountable and not bullshit and all that and be trusted. But that quickly led me to being validated, taken off that yard. After two years, I got my GED there. I did get that. Um, but I got snatched up, uh, taken to ADSEG and charged with, you know, being a shot caller, uh, being part of this prison gang based on a drawing, um, some confidential informants. And uh, I believe one was a drawing and something else was like an address in my address book. Right. Um, so from there. I was validated formally by the Sacramento board or whatever, went mm-hmm. through that whole process. It took about a year. So I was in ADSEG there for about a year, and then I was transferred to Pelican Bay. I went back to Pelican Bay, uh, shoe again, for quite some time. And then around, I believe it was 20... When did you pull up to Pelican Bay? The very first time? This time. After I got validated? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I got validated. I got snatched up in 2004... I think it was around January of 2005, I arrived back at Pelican Bay. So how long did you stay in Pelican Bay, Shoe, the last time? So the last time, well, I was moved because I was transferred for court, but I spent all my time, whenever I was transferred, I was uh, placed in a solitary confinement unit like Corcoran. Right. I was at uh, Tehachapi for a two-year layover and then Corcoran for a few years. Um, So that entire time was 12 years straight. Not counting the time from being in uh, two years fighting in the year uh, prior to that. Those whole 12 years you were validated? The whole 12 years consecutively, no uh, respite, without respite, as they say, as I put in my Hear that, man? Yeah. And, uh, dog, let me me ask you something, man, because there is a court system called the board, right? Mm-hmm. That has their own set of laws, bro, in CDC. Check the, okay, so there was a, there, there was some shit that kicked off, and I caught, they charged me with a stabbing incident, right? Got off of some northern. Got rid of the blade. They didn't have any fingerprints. They didn't have any blood. They didn't have a weapon, right? But they had a, a confidential informant. They had two, 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 a brother and a northerner, both saying that I was the one stabbing this dude, right? It gets, they they bound it over to uh, Kings County. Kings County is the uh, the county of, you know, outside of where that prison's at. That's the county it sits in. So they bound, they, they refer it over, right? So now they're trying to take us to court, not in prison, outside of the county and convict us on an attempted murder and assault, right? Mm-hmm. The DA kicks it out because it's confidential informants and this and that, and they don't pick it up. So it's a DA reject. So now the district attorney in the county has rejected this case. They because can't prove they it. can't prove it. Right. They know the law. But after that's done, you're not sent back and sent back to the main line and all that shit. Now the board decides, all right, that's fine. We're going to tack this much more time onto your fucking sentence. And we're giving you a fucking indeterminate shoe or shoe term at this amount of time. And that, to me, always seemed like, um, that seemed to me like, how does, it's like corporations having their own laws. No, you know what I'm saying? That is what it is. It, and it's, so it, it doesn't wash in the courts in our counties or in our cities, but the state, the CDC doesn't care what they decide. We're deciding this. 
right. and they're able to mm-hmm. follow through with it. And it's like, you know, and those when you're dealing with the board, bro, there is no right to fucking trials or hearings or man, these it's motherfuckers. The star just, chambers, all right, over. dog. They decide <laughs> court. and anything you say, nah, squash that, throw it in the trash. This is what we decided, and that's what you're getting. And there is no, they, oh yeah, they'll provide you the paperwork, but it's never gonna go anywhere. You get what I'm saying? Absolutely. And it's just like. It's fucked up, man. They've got their own laws and legislation within there. And if they don't match up with what's going on in the city or the state surrounding, it doesn't matter. Right. Mm-hmm. They get to call their own shots and run their own program. Right. And I think that's something that in itself is super, super corrupted, bro. Mm-hmm. It's the people that are making those decisions are on one team. There's no way they're going to offer you or meet you anywhere, bro. It's, it's not, them against you. It's not fair. It's it's completely unfair. What's so. the appeals process for what they say? I've I've not met somebody make an appeal in that situation and ever come out. You got to 602 it. All that, but it's not going to happen, bro. That's all we Because start. they already lost on a DA reject. They right. wanted to get you on another. Yeah. But that didn't happen, so they're going to get you on something. You're going to pay, whether you're guilty or not, you know? Um, yeah. Listen, uh, first, there's two things I want to say. Number one is I want to remind everybody that the person that got us the civil rights, got everyone, African-Americans, it was Martin Luther King, and he was a pacifist. But people had to show up and shut shit down. And you had to be willing to get beaten because the cops came and they beat all these black people that were like, no, we're not doing this. And that got put on air and that got shown around the world. And basically the power structure got embarrassed into giving up the rights that they were supposed to give. So so what I want to say is that there is a way to do it, but it's it's definitely a peaceful, I think, personally, although even though I think we're probably going to civil war, I do think it should be peaceful. Yeah, the Chapatistas, Zapatistas, Subcommander Marcos used... The digital platform. Yep. Because if he didn't use the political, if he didn't use the digital platform to get all the eyes on him, those people would have been slaughtered and gone. Easily. They would have gotten rid of all of them. Easily. And he, he played it in a way. That's the only reason there's anything those people are even there talking anymore. There was eyes on, on them. It. Right. right. That's exactly And right. I think that that is some stuff and some tools that are becoming available to us. You know, this thing is a tool. Yeah, but it's there's so much fucked up shit that's coming along with it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But there are some things if we utilize it correctly. Th- that's where self discipline comes into play. You got to be willing because no one's going to show you. Mm-hmm. This kind of goes with what Michael was saying. It's like no one's going to show you how to use the tools they've given you to fuck them up, to stop the shit. But you got to be willing to curtail some stuff. Mm. You listening, young man? They're lucky. You gotta be willing. You gotta be willing to sacrifice some some corporal pleasures. You know, be jacking off on the phone all the time. Maybe maybe use it to end oppression. Stop oppressing your penis and use it to end oppression. And the other thing I wanted to say is Danny Marino brought in a, a, an, a, an amazing guy, an amazing leader with a lot to say, and I really appreciate that, Mr. Marino. For sure. And, and Mike, we we didn't even. I don't feel like we even. No, shit. we didn't. I think we're gonna. I think this is. This uh, is like this a is four a part, yeah, this like, is like a, a six four, part. We're series. gonna have to have you come on because you we guys, gotta dive way deeper into this, bro. Well, I mean, I, what he said so far was so important and useful. Yeah, and I think we just gotta kind of keep it there and then come back. And it's not even. The point, like a lot of times, we walk through people like, okay, so how did you get into juvie? And right, 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 right. We, we never even got into that. Yeah, it wasn't mm-hmm. as important as this first lawsuit and how you fight out. Yeah. That we, was we, 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 Michael, will you come back? 
For sure. Come Can on, we man. do some more, man? Because Come you've on. got a huge journey, and the things you've done, we've not heard a lot of things like this before. We just yeah. really covered a portion. A, right. a, a tiny portion. So, listen, man. I commend you for 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 your journey just making it through that and sitting here today. Yeah. But the things that you've accomplished that we've only heard a little of, to me is is unreal, bro. Yeah. They did bury you under a prison and you had something to say and do right. about it. And uh I just commend you, man. I commend you. Um, it's a pleasure having you here, man. Yeah, I, I've got a new, I've got a, a un titulo, un name for Michael, mm-hmm. El Generalismo. What's that? The General. The General. I the like general. that. The General. Michael the General. Yeah. Yeah. El Cid. Bro. Yeah. We, hey, it's the guys like Michael that we want on our team. Bro. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I Mike. already know. I yeah. already know. Yeah. Right? Listen, um, nothing my, but good things from Danny Marillo, right? Oh, look at this. <laughs> like, the peaceful warrior. Look yeah. at him smiling. I yeah. love, he gets a little nervous when we turn the light on him a little. He gets a little. We were, we're talking da- about Michael. Danny, <laughs> Danny, how long were you down, Danny? Uh, 14. He was down 14. Yeah, okay. don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. Hey, man, that guy will fucking, you know, yeah, what I mean? yeah, don't take yeah, care yeah, of business. Yeah, yeah, don't know yeah, how to box yeah. it up and don't make it a out. knife out of a fucking wrapper <laughs> of a big red uh, chewing gum. Fucking oh, are you kidding me? I kept the bubble gum away from him when he came in. Out of a fucking pork chop. Just, uh, two just, man. Great guys. Great guys, man. Yeah. Great gentlemen. Yeah. And I want to continue this yeah. dialogue. And Danny, thank you for, for helping sure, bring Michael in and introduce us. And Michael, man. Come back. Hey, bro. We, we At the Hard Luck Show, we got your back. Yeah. You got a platform that we can help you with. Are you, you know kidding me? I'm, I'm going to ask him to join as a partner in the yeah, farm. Yeah, bro. That's Armando where this Bowen. Thing is Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bring him yeah, in. Apprentice yeah. style, man. I'll do the apprenticeship law shit, man. Yeah. Get in here and let's just start hey. suing the pants off these fuck faces. Hey, these are, these are UCLA. These are your, uh, what do they call that? Alma maters or how do you call that? Yeah, People alumnus. Alma mater. Yeah, I'm yeah. a UCLA grad, UC Berkeley grad. That's what's up. Fucking Pepperdine grad, but I don't oh, go shit. that way with those fucking right wing motherfuckers. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know what I mean? Fuck Ken Starr. He could suck <laughs> a dick. Uh, Mike, was there anything, Michael, you wanted to plug? Is there a way people can get a hold? You, yeah, your, how did they give you money? Doing? I mean, uh, <clears throat> shit. I guess you could go to our uh, to Underground Scholars at UCLA to our website, and uh, you know, people know me there. I've just been uh, brought into the Underground Scholars leadership, which is uh, huge for me, and uh, gonna be great with also like being able to bring in other formerly incarcerated people and showing them that you can go to UCLA. You don't have to settle for a freaking vocational school or what these other motherfuckers are telling you be a laborer and shit. Right? Yeah, take it easy. Old Blue Eyes went to vocational school. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the but, white guy. Sound engineer. All right, that's all right. Now I'm just joking. But um, yeah, all right. Because I'm wondering, I, I'm sure somebody's going to listen to this show that has a family member or somebody who's been mistreated or, and they're going to be like, how do I get help? How do I? Also, I do uh, as my job as a legal coordinator with the Youth Justice Coalition. Yeah. We help folks that are incarcerated, family members. Uh, they can hit us up at the, uh, I think it's LA Youth on IG. Okay. Um, youth, LA Youth for Justice. Okay. I think that's what it is. I'm sorry. But We're going to pull it right now because yeah. this is important. LA Youth? Um, Justice. Just 
I got LA Youth Justice Coalition. Yeah. There you go. Is and that what also it is? Youth yeah. Justice LA, right? I think it is also. I don't know. Um, Hold on, I got Youth Justice Coalition LA. What's on that? IG? On IG, it's got the last post was LAPD Youth Diversion Program under reviews. That's Ad- us. That's us. Uh, yeah. Okay, so what is that correctly? Okay, it is Youth Justice LA. Okay. Youth At Just- Youth Justice LA. That's right. All right, so you can find some help there. And if you continue to tune in to the Hard Luck Show, you're going to get more. This is only the beginning with Michael and Danny Marillo. Right. Helping produce these right. shows. Um, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for your time. Thank you for coming down. Listen, Hard Luck Show, taking out Rush Limbaugh, one listener at a time. Do you have any plugs for us, Danny Marillo? Just shout outs to all my people. You mean underground scholars. I just started my master's program at Cal State Long Beach. Yes. So shout out to Rising Scholars, the homies at Project Rebound. Thank yeah. you. What's your master's in? A master's in edu- education, and I'm in the social cultural analysis program. Your new name is Master Marilla. Master Marilla. MM. <laughs> MM. <laughs> Lil Lux. What you got? Game, bro. What you got? Shout Come out. On. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, give it to us. Come bro. on. Give it to us. From the youth. Nothing much, just the same old, same old. You know vibes. You know, gotta shout out vibes, gotta shout out big Lux. You know, make sure you tune in every time to the Hard Luck Show. You know, you know how to do it. S- you know yeah. S- we SCM. Got, we got we got SCM coming real soon. Straight That's chasing right. money. Strictly chasing money. Strictly chasing money. That's all we do in the streets of the good LA. All right. You know what I mean? All right. So tap in with that. Tap in the cookies. You know what I mean? Yeah. So tap in every day. All right. We got Supermax coming 1010. Yep. You know oh. what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we, we live the hard. We got it the hard way. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Hard luck. Yeah. Listen, Sean, my my, my, my wonderful partner, right. Sean and Chumahan, yeah. thank you, you guys, thank for you. helping put on a great show. Thank you. And about this time is when we say, I know some videos from the hard luck show. Oh. Oh. oh.